Hi friends, Adrian Fedeni here from Transformation. You are listening to Transformational, the podcast for maintenance-based traders across the world. We're very excited. We're going down a little bit of a different tangent. I've got an amazing guest. His name is Daniel Vergaro. He is a CPA or a chartered accountant, and he also is a precious metals commentator. The world, I don't have to tell you, this is in a crazy position at the moment. Um, governments shutting down economies, uh, the stock market at an all-time high, completely uh, over uh, overinflated. And the reason we want to run successful businesses inherently is not just to have a successful business, but it's also to create some wealth at the end of the day. So I've decided to go down a little bit of a, a wealth creation process uh, a tangent, I guess, and Daniel is our first guest. It's a three-part episode, three-part series in three different episodes. This is part one. Um, can't wait to hear your comments in the chat. Have a great uh, listen, and yeah, let us know what you think. Love to get your feedback. Join us on Instagram, Facebook. Look for Transformation, and yeah, let us know your thoughts. Have a great day and enjoy the listen. I'd love to introduce Daniel. Daniel, could you uh, introduce yourself to uh, our followers? Hi, Adrian. A pleasure to be with you, and thanks so much for reaching out to me. Um, yeah, I'm obviously South African uh, by birth, living currently in London. I've been here since 2008. Um, and I'm a chartered accountant by trade. Um, I've got about 15 years of experience here in financial services and commerce industry uh, here in the UK. I uh, worked for some of the bigger banks earlier on in my career, and then obviously speak about it, but later getting involved in, in the, the sort of truth around um, the monetary system and, and precious metals. So I took the decision to, to leave uh, investment banking and to move into commerce industry uh, with other bigger companies that have been listed or even smaller entities that are mostly similar to the clients that you're having right now. So SMEs, startups, scale-ups, that kind of thing. And, uh, and of late, um, I, I did a series on the Perth Mint. And that kind of pushed me into um, sort of the, the, the small circle of, of precious metals commentators and analysts um, that, that are uh, on the on sort of on the on the airwaves at the moment, and uh, and hence why um, we we here today. So, thank you. Yeah, look, I've been um, I'm, I'm a newbie to precious metals. Probably been in yeah very focusing it very very um, diligently probably for eighteen months to two years. But uh, yeah, I've definitely seen your, uh, seen your work and, and loved it. And and I guess this kind of leads us to the uh, the overarching, um, I guess, purpose of a business. We were, you're an accountant, I'm a business coach and a sales trainer as well, obviously. And we all uh, strive and aspire to have profitable businesses and we want to make profit. But at the end of the day, that profit is, in my view, a, 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 I guess, a tool for wealth creation and so would you like to talk a little bit to that point about wealth creation and how precious metals kind of fit into that equation? Sure. So I think what's important, I think, going down this road is to try and strip things back to its most basic levels to get the listeners to understand um, how wealth is created and one, what one does with that wealth. So in a business, typically um, your business owners would be providing product or, or providing a service to their customers. Uh, they would be generating a profit from that. That profit gets converted into cash. Now we need to define that. Um, cash in the sense that we're looking at right now in the world is called fiat currency. 
fiat meaning um, uh, currency, so a medium of exchange that is decreed by government. Um, it is dollars, euros, yen. It is the currency that we use in the, in the monetary system as it stands right now, either in businesses or individuals. And once we accumulate that currency on the balance sheet of your, of your particular business, the next question is then, what do we do with it? So obviously one can, um, you know, further expand one's business um, on the balance sheet. So acquire other businesses or expand operations, or one can distribute that as a dividend um, back to the directors and owners. But then the next question is, well, what do the directors and owners do with that cash being fair currency? And how do they, um, how, how do they uh, not only increase that wealth, but also protect it in the world we're living in today. So in the old days, there's obviously a select number of assets that one would, would invest in other than expanding one's business. So you could buy stocks, you could buy bonds, you could buy um, property, uh, income generating property, so rental property, and you could buy a whole myriad of different assets that would be generating income, income return, right? In the old days, when you went onto the stock exchange, you could look at things like the pr uh, price earnings ratio of a company. And that would be priced at anything between say 10 and 15 times earnings. So you could always use the, the typical valuation metrics to work out whether a company is either overvalued or undervalued and whether you want to take your cash and invest in stocks, okay? And the same principle applies to bonds. What's happened in the world, and we can get into this, is because those assets are priced in a fiat currency, and that fiat currency has been debased, which we'll chat about a bit later, those prices of those assets that you're buying have become so overinflated. In other words, if you looked on, for example, the, the stock price of Tesla or Amazon, their PE ratios, price earnings ratios, are in, in you know the hundreds. It, it doesn't make sense anymore. So how does one know? What's bolted, so to say. <laughs> exactly. So how does one as a business owner, as an individual, know where do I take my fiat currency that is earning 0% interest in the bank? We know that. How do I... How do I increase that if I'm not going to expand my business? Well, the pool of assets that you can invest in now has become whittled down to what, I, in my view, only to gold and silver, and we can expand on that, simply because the price of those assets has, be, has got to a level that is um, it, it just nonsensical. It, it doesn't make any yeah, sense. Absolutely. So I'd, I'd like to interject for a second because what you've said is gold, or pardon the pun, <laughs> but let's let's break it down. So fiat currency is pretty much the money that we earn. Um, you talked about the uh, 10 to 15 earnings ratio of a stock or a share. Okay, so so some of us listeners may be, um, may be clued up on how stocks work and may not be. So let, let's start with, let's start with that. Like, like you said, the traditional ways you used to look at a stock um, if, if it was, and something I've, I've uh, picked up on my, my, I guess my journey through life, talking to accountants and, and uh, investors, um, the stock market always loved um, uh, businesses that had uh, infinite scalability. So your Netflix, et cetera, because they could sell subscriptions to everyone in the world. So therefore their earnings capacity was phenomenal. So do you want to talk a little bit about the earnings uh, ratios, et cetera, and just kind of break it down a little bit more uh, for, for our new listeners? Sure. So whether you're looking at a listed stock or you're looking at your own company, at the end of the day, that company produces um, earnings before interest, dividends, and taxation, which is a, a proxy for free cash flow. It is, the, it is the, the, the free cash that a business generates after it pays all expenses, net of revenue. Okay, very, very simple. 
Now, there's different ways to value a business, but let's just stick to the, the most simple one, which is a multiple of earnings. So we're saying, well, if my business generates 100,000 Aussie dollars every year, that's EBITDA, earnings before interest, dividends, and taxation, a fair valuation multiple, this is now over a long period of time, and, and, and obviously through three, my father was a professor of managerial accounting and finance, so we, we understand valuations of that and how they work in terms of what is fair value. And it, um, theoretically, fair value is anything between 10 and 12 times that earnings value. So if it's 100,000 Aussie dollars in annual EBITDA, yep. the fair value of that company would be approximately 10 or 12 times that value. So we're talking about a million Aussie dollars, 1.2 million Aussie dollars would be deemed to be what one would be fair value. So it takes 12 years of earnings to recuperate uh, the investment in the business. If I put 1.2 million Aussie dollars into your business and it's earning $100,000 per annum, it will take 10 years if I extracted that as a dividend yeah. for myself to just repay back my capital, never mind um, earning a yield after that, that 12, 10 year, 12 year period. So that's, that's a multiple of earnings. Now, if one invests in a stock and, and a bond is the same principle, what's the purpose? You want to invest for two reasons. One, capital appreciation. So you, you want your, your investment to go up in, in value. And we'll touch on price and value just now, but you want it to go up in the price of the stock over time. And that is a function of, well, how much free cash flow, how much EBITDA can it earn to infinity? Yep. Now, if you invest in a stock that is, uh, priced at, at a P ratio, so price earnings, which is that multiple of, of eight or 10, that would be deemed to be slightly undervalued. So you have a, a runway of, of, of increased value in the future to obtain as a shareholder. So just so we understand that 100,000 Aussie dollars times 12, that multiple gives you 1.2 million Aussie dollars in valuation. If you looked on the stock market and you saw the stock ticker and the price of the stock and the P ratio, that's just worked itself backwards. So it just says, well, number of shares in existence times that price divided by the earnings of the company gets you back to the P ratio. So it's just working it back in reverse. Absolutely. If you looked at, at a stock right now on, on, on the stock exchange and it had a P ratio of 50, well, the question is, that would take 50 years for More that, that stock. On your yeah. it, it would take, if I had a buy the stock at a P ratio of 50, theoretically that, that would take 50 years for me just to get my capital back in terms mm -hmm. of va value creation. Now, really one, yeah. 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 Now I was going to say, one would say, well, Hey Dan, the stock market's gone up, you know, the dial has gone up for the last 12 years, year on year, you're wrong. And, and the, the, my response to that is, uh, yes, it has gone up just like the, the property market has gone up. But, yes. but the problem is, is that like with anything, if you start getting into it later and later and later, there'll come a point where everything must go back to equilibrium. You yes. can't have uh, a Ponzi scheme, which is, this is what it is, where prices increase uh, infinitely over time because what's been used to price that stock being dollars, years and yen, we'll touch on that just now, is actually being debased. And we'll, we'll explain why. You, and when you, you say debased, that means it's being devalued. Just, just, yeah. Yes. We'll, yeah. we'll get into the definitions of, you want to separate the two issues there. So the first issue we're talking about is, you know, what is wealth? And that's obviously owning assets like stocks. But I think what we're trying to cover here is, well, if I buy a stock, how do I know I'm buying it at the right price? And we're trying to discuss, well, in my view, there's no asset right now in the world besides gold and silver that one can buy to increase one's wealth and protect one's wealth because the prices are so overinflated 
And that's recognizing the PE ratios of these stocks being so out of whack, being 50 plus, which means I'm, I'm getting it at a point where this whole thing could collapse because nothing increases like that for forever. Yeah. Equilibrium is 12, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I'm coming late to the party. Uh, if I got in early, I'd still be okay because I still bought it at, at a cheaper point. But now I'm coming late to the party. The, the, the ratios have gone off off the scale. And it's funny, I, I just wanted to add a point. When we look at plumbing and trade businesses, the ratios are much, much lower. Uh, and I, th I think that comes back to my earlier comment where Netflix can sell a subscription to anybody in the world. Whereas a plumber, electrician, et cetera, um, can only do the services in their local area. And there's sometimes only between two to 10 times the, the EBITDA. So, and, and it also becomes obviously because there's a lot more um, labor intensive. It's not a subscription or what they call a SaaS model as well. So um, I just want to make sure that we, um, that, uh, plumbers, electricians listening to this call don't think necessarily their business is worth 12 times their profit because that's because the business model is different to, to, uh, to a lot of other um, uh, subscription-based models and, and so on and so forth. But I yeah, think what we're saying is, just, just in theory, the, the, the theory of it is that if I looked at a company with this private public, in my mind, if it's priced at 10 times earnings, theoretically, generally speaking, that would be approximate fair value yes. of a company, but, but it would be different for, for different sectors, correct? Yeah, lovely. No, this is making uh, a lot of sense. So um, when do you know when it's the right time to buy a stock? And if you come late, we're just recapping what we've said here. Um, you, you could be coming before, like you say, it's going to go back to equilibrium or, or otherwise known as a correction or perhaps a collapse. Uh, again, this is more your world than my world. Am I using the right terms when, when we um, when, a, when a stock has gone 50 times its um, earnings uh, ratio and then it comes back to equilibrium is that considered a correction or would that be considered a considered a crash or something different so let's let's talk about we're on the topic now of of, of you know protecting increasing one's wealth buying things oh. that we're more familiar with like stocks and bonds and saying well i, I want to deploy that fiat currency that we discussed earlier why can't i put it in a stock or a bond and i'm going to give you the reason why you shouldn't the reason why you shouldn't look at stocks and bonds um, or, or any other financial asset, in my opinion, right now, other than precious metals, is for one reason and one reason only. The price of every asset on the planet is priced in fiat currency. Okay, that is the problem. The problem right. is not Tesla or Amazon or any of those companies. Tesla and Amazon are earning what they're earning, right? Yes, yeah, some companies <laughs> are doing better than others, but, but all companies are continuing on as they've always continued on some are getting better some are getting worse but the problem is the fiat currency it's what those stocks are priced in they are priced in dollars or they're priced in us dollars or aussie dollars or euros that mm -hmm. is the problem let's just expand on that for a second so we need to first understand the monetary system and how that works at a very high level to then understand the difference between price and value to then understand why you shouldn't invest in stocks and bonds and other financial assets and why gold and silver is the only thing that you can do right now to protect one's wealth and participate in the biggest wealth transfer in history. And I'll close off on that if that makes sense. Let me just explain how the monetary system works and fiat currency. So, and just to be clear, this is your opinion. This is not necessarily financial advice. This, this is your opinion of, of what's happening at the moment. Is that a correct statement? 
Yeah, what I'm saying now, again, you can pick up resources like Mike Maloney at goldsilver.com. He, yeah. he did a nine-part series called The Hidden Secrets of Money. What I'm about to explain now is, is, is a very well-trodden path. It is not my, uh, I'm not giving investment advice on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I am not providing anything else other than my opinion at times on what one should do with, with one's currency. And then what yeah. we're going to discuss now is just absolute fact in terms of Lovely. this is how the yeah. monetary system works. And it's, and it's been proven uh through a lot of various materials and I've mentioned one there being Mark Maloney at goldsilver.com. I'd love to also, um, the creature from Jekyll Island as well. That would be another good Correct. reading. Yeah, Th- there's a few. So what I'm, I'm discussing now, <laughs> yeah, as I said, you can put this on, on the notes later, but good references as to backing up what I'm about to say is obviously Jay Griffin from, uh, who wrote the creature from Jekyll Island. So that's Jay, G. Edward Griffin, and then www.goldsilver.com is Mike Maloney. He did a nine-part series called The Hidden Secrets of Money, and he also wrote the best-selling book called Gold and Silver, uh, which is an amazing book. Uh, another resource is Rob Keynes at Gold Silver Pros, and then obviously if you go onto my Twitter account, I would say every precious metal guy that I follow there, these guys are saying the same thing. So what I'm about to tell you, this is the truth. This is how it happens. Anything else I say is just my opinion, not investment advice. So, the currency system. So, what happens in the world? This is how it works. We have the the government and the treasury, which is a government department, and we have a, a, a central bank or reserve bank. In some countries, the government owns the reserve bank. In other countries, like the US, the reserve bank is actually owned by private banks or investment banks that are non-disclosed, so JP Morgan's of the world, um, and, and so on. Step one is that. Because the currency that we use right now in the world is not backed by anything, it is fiat. So first question is, what is the difference between currency and money? Okay, so the, 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 the characteristics of currency are durable, fungible. So durable meaning um, you, it, it, it cannot be uh, destroyed very easily. So that it has some sort of utility where you can put water on it, you can put it in your pocket, you can do things that it's not going to be destroyed that easily. Fungible meaning one uh, five euro note equals a five euro note you know in our hands so it's the same thing one five euro note equals another five euro note uh, divisible means you can divide into lots of different units so you can have a five euro note a 10 euro note a 20 euro note you can divide into smaller change that's divisible portable means you can move it around very easily and then unit of account means you can count with it right those are the the, the characteristics of currency those are also the characteristics of money as well the one characteristic that money has that currency doesn't have is that it holds value over time. What I mean by that is money, being gold and silver, has all those properties, but because you can't print gold and silver out of thin air, like I'll des- describe just now with, with central banks, gold has a characteristic called it holds value over time. It is It takes hard human labor to pull gold and silver out the ground, therefore it cannot be prints out of thin air and debased. Okay, that's important to understand currency and money. So we live in a world, not a, not a money world, but a currency I'll world. I'll add one point too in there. It's, it's finite, not infinite. So it, it, there is a limited amount. And when people print money, then it becomes available everywhere. So the precious metals uh, are, are rare. Correct. So yeah. Correct. The, the, the precious metals typically are, are mined at about 2% uh, inflation year on year. So it, it, the, the increase in precious metals, especially gold above ground, increases by, by at a ratio of about two percent per year, whereas money can be printed like just you know ahead of the last couple of years into infinity. You can just keep printing and printing and printing. But we'll get to that. So 
We don't live in a money system world, we live in a currency system world. In the past, before the Bretton Woods agreements in the 1960s, we lived in a in a money world where the currency was backed by gold and silver. And even before that, we lived in a money world where there was the gold exchange standard and a fractional gold system. So there was a time and period where we lived in a money system, but now we live in a currency system. And the reason for that is because politicians don't want to be held down by limited supply of, of money, okay, which is gold and silver. They want to be able to promise the world to, 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 to mankind. And to do that, they need to be able to print paper out of thin air. So let's go back to the basics now. So you've got the government, the treasury, and you've got the central bank. The government has the ability to print paper currency out of thin air, which is called in America M the M3 money supply. In Australia, it'll be a different term, but it is the base level. Easing is what we call it. That's the name. Correct. It is the, it is the base level of, of currency supply that, that, that the government can create out of thin air by issuing treasury bonds uh, and, and converting those to the central bank, and the central bank produces a base level of currency. And America is called M3, right? That base level of currency gets into the economy via government agencies and so on, and it gets into into our bank accounts because we provide services in the economy. We, we sell a product, so maybe you're one of your tradesmen might do a plumbing job at a government department, right? So they'll go to the government department, they'll do their job, and they get paid in currency by that various department. Okay, so. That, that's the base level currency. Then what happens is currency lands into the it lands into the bank accounts of the, the populace, right? And we deposit it in the bank account. Let's just say I earn a thousand pounds a month from for for my services. Okay. I deposit that with HSBC. All right. What HSBC does on their balance sheet, which your business owner should be familiar with, the balance sheet, their PL, on their balance sheet, HSBC debits the bank account on their balance sheet and they credit creditors, trade creditors. The trade creditor is you and I, right? So we give our, our currency, not money, our currency to uh, a, a, a bank, a commercial bank. The commercial bank takes that currency. We no longer have it. It's in our quote unquote, our bank account online digitally um, or in the bank, in the ATM machine, if you want to call it that. Um, and, and they take it from us and we are now accredited to the bank. Okay, so technically speaking, that, might, that currency that we've just given the bank doesn't belong to us anymore. It belongs to the bank. They've debited cash, they've credited uh, trade credits. Right. Even though it's in our account. Is that correct? Even though, even though it, we view it in our account, just like you would, it's the same principle that if one of your tradesmen, say, paid one of their suppliers in advance, right? Yes. They said, we, we need a thousand Aussie dollars of materials. We're going to pay you in advance. We, they paid the supplier. If they went onto the online account of that particular supplier, they would see their account in credit. In other words, the supplier owes them the, yep. the, the cash, the currency, or owes them a particular conversion into the materials that they want, right? It's the same principle. Oh, really? Just because you're looking on an account on the, on the internet, it doesn't mean it's yours. Yep. Legally speaking, that currency belongs to the bank. It doesn't belong to you. I'll, you I'll have the in. right to... Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in and add a little bit and tell me if this is the right place for it, but... We've all heard about in 2008, there was bailouts where the, the government pay, uh, paid for the bank's debts, et cetera, in America, and um, they bailed them out. But there's also a term called bail-in. Is that the appropriate time to talk about something like similar to a bail-in, or is that you want to I, put that? I think, yeah, better? I think to not, not confuse the listeners, I think we should leave, <laughs> leave those asking we'll the cake towards the end. We're, 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 <laughs> we're, try, we're trying to get them to understand what, why, why is everything in the world Price ridiculously, and I need yes. to get to that before we get to. Oh, sure, sure, sure. So, 
so so step one base currency is created step two it gets into our bank account step three we put that currency uh, with a, a commercial bank of our choice as i said the commercial bank on their balance sheet we are accredited to them right we have the 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 right if we so wish to request that currency back via an atm machine or via um, a electronic transfer um but the bank uh is hoping that we won't do that the bank is hoping that we'll trust them with our currency and per the banking rules the commercial banking rules the banks are allowed to only hold 10 percent of our deposits on their balance sheet as as as, as collateral or capital right so if i put a thousand pounds with the commercial bank they only have to hold a hundred pounds in reserve and they can lend out 900. now that hundred pounds of hold reserve is held there in case I want my money back or my, sorry, my currency back, not money. So they are hoping that I'm not going to want my full thousand pounds back. I just want to use a bit of it and that will come under the hundred pound uh, buffer or, or reserve ratio. So now they're allowed to lend out 900 pounds, right? So what do they do on their balance sheet? They credit cash bank on their balance sheet and they go and debit loan being a lending instrument they, they create a for example they give a mortgage they, they create a, a low a, a asset on their balance sheet because they give that currency to another individual or another business as a loan right you'll, you'll go to the bank and you'll say look i want a mortgage uh, one of your 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 um your clients may go to the bank and say, i want a business loan when when the bank gives them a loan they are giving them the currency that belongs to their depositors <laughs> okay so that currency leaves basically the bank's account, so the, the, the bank the, the cash account for the balance of the bank, and it goes to the bank account of the person that's just borrowed the cash, right? Yep. The currency. On my screen, I still see my thousand pounds as my deposit, but technically speaking, nine hundred is gone. It's yep. left, right? It's now sitting as an asset in the balance balance of the bank, and that currency has now gone into the bank account of someone else as a loan. The minute it hits the bank account. Of that of that person's taking the loan out the same rule applies that particular <laughs> bank holds 100 back and they can yep. lend out another another 800 right and yep. so we're gone that is called fractional reserve banking mm. and you if you watch mark maloney's videos on on and i really encourage your listeners to do that uh called the hidden secrets of money it's a nine-part series he goes into depth about the fact that the commercial banks play 90 percent of the role in increasing the money the currency supply Yep. Okay, so if you increase the currency supply through debt, if you increase the currency supply, you're creating more units of fiat currency in existence, correct? So let's let's take this back then and really try to drill it down. So if I played the game of Monopoly, right? You, me, and one of your friends. Three of us are playing the game of Monopoly. Everyone's playing Monopoly, right? I'm the banker, so I can I, I, I play the role as an, as an individual in the game, but I also play the role as the bank, and it's the two of you. We each have a hundred monopoly currency each. We start the game with a hundred, right? And around we go and we buy property and we buy what we buy. And then I say, hang on a second, I'm going to introduce another hundred monopoly currency units into the game, but I'm going to give 50 to myself and 50 to you, but I'm not going to give 50 to your friend. Oh, sorry. I'm not going to divide it evenly between us. I'm going to give 50 to myself and 50 to you. You now have, and I have the ability to, to acquire 
property or land on the monopoly board um, at a lower price because that currency hasn't been introduced into the game to say I have it in my account and I can use it and that gives me first use over the currency that means I can buy more stuff because I have more currency the ones that hits the game your friend says hey hang on a second there's more currency in the game so I'm going to charge more to sell my, my my property or my piece of land or whatever it is in the game that is why prices are going up around the world for all assets okay stocks bonds property everything if someone says to you the property market is going up because of demand and supply they are lying demand and supply does play a role absolutely but what plays the majority of the role is the increase in fiat currency into the system which creates more units of currency which pushes up the price so let me close up this point then you can inject um oh, sure. What is the difference then between price and value? Okay. Mm -hmm. Price, because something, an asset or whatever, goes up in price, it doesn't mean it's going up in value. Mm -hmm. Just because it's going up in price, to work out whether it's going up in value, you need to value the asset with something else of value. So let me give you an example. If I valued my property, in pounds being fiat currency and they interjecting more pounds into circulation the, pr the price of my property is going up in price because there's more currency in circulation like i've just described but if i measured my property in the units of gold so ounce of gold or ounce of silver or barrels of oil or bushels of wheat anything that requires hard human labor to extract that resource out of the ground if i measured on that i'll actually see that my property is going down in value because what's happening is, is that the property is the property, the mortar is the mortar, the bricks, the bricks. Bricks aren't becoming more valuable, right? The, the property is the property, okay? There's lots of land in this world. There's lots of people that can build houses. So demand and supply plays a small role. What's happening is that there's more units of currency and it's what you're using to measure that asset that is going down in value because they're printing it, they being the central banks and fractional reserve banking, is printing it into oblivion. And it's what you're measuring that asset in that's going down in value, not the asset itself that's going up in value. So I want to make that point. Yes, the more of it, the less it becomes valuable. It, it really, yeah. Correct. So that's the end of episode one. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, the next episode will be out very, very soon. And then there'll be one final episode after that. So that's episode one of three with Daniel Vergaro the expert uh, precious metals commentator and also a CPA, a, a chartered professional accountant. So he knows what he's talking about. Anyway, have a lovely day. Hope you enjoyed that episode and stay tuned for the next one.